Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. Thank you to the voice of the one and only Ryan Treasure, formerly of Voice America. Thanks for that enduring introduction. Radio Red in the house. Happy to be here. I've got a fabulous panel for you today. Some really, really top-notch creatives. I say that every week, and I mean it every week. And these three wonderful people who you, to whom you'll be introduced in a few moments are all people who were attendees at the latest National Publicity Summit. And I met them and I knew instantly I wanted them on the show and they just happened to all be here at the same time. But let me, before we do anything, panel, I didn't rehearse this with you. I hope you can handle this. I'm, I'm not sure, but I want you all to put up your hand in the shape of the letter L. Okay, there you go. And on the count of three, you're going to join me the best you can in saying hello, L, L, L. I'll count to three. Try to do it slowly. One, two, three. Hello, L, L, L. I think you all went somewhere before you came on with me and you rehearsed this because that was Jordan. That's my engineer. That was one of the best. I'm very, very proud of you. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, my most loyal listener, who at 8.01 p.m. Eastern Time tonight will send me an email and she'll say, this is what Chuck said, and this is what Pam said, and this is what Yasmin said, and she's going to tell me a little synopsis of all of you and tell me how much she loved you on the show. No pressure, guess. Uh, lovely, lanky Laura Legs lives in Whitestone, New York. We met a dance lesson many years ago. She's still ballroom dancing at, at Jewish centers and other places around Long Island. I'm now in Tennessee. Don't dance anymore. But I've been trying to find a place for Laura to move, Chuck, that starts with the letter L because Whitestone's a W and no matter how you turn it, it just doesn't look like an L. So I've been looking all over the country for L's and I realized I moved to Loudoun, Tennessee. So um, we're going to take up a fake GoFundMe and we're going to, Laura, I have a nice house for you down the block. You're going to love it here. We'll find a place for you to dance. It is July 10th. It's the 191st day of the 2023 year in the Gregorian calendar. I have to tell you all that Gregorian was a pope, and in 1582, he decided, I don't like the Julian calendar, Pam. He just said, I think I'm going to make my own calendar. And I'm guessing his mother said, Greg, Gregory, Grego, you're a pope, but you're going to mess with the Julian calendar. I'm doing my New York accent here, sorry. And he said, yeah, I don't like where the leap years are. I'm going to change them every 300 years. We'll put one here every 400 years. We'll... So we ended up with the Gregorian calendar. So I call him one of our early creatives. Now we have 174 days left in the year. This is the 28th Monday, which nobody cares about except me. However, to my guests, and by the way, wave hello, you're on LinkedIn, wave hello, Chuck, Pam, and Yasmin, wave hello, and you're on Facebook, and wave a virtual hello to the audience on the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio. That's where our audio goes out every Monday night, and we love Voice America. Yes, we do. And uh, what I wanted to say was just know that... Everybody is going to appreciate what you have to say. I completely lost my train of thought. Here's my train of thought. 174 days left. Chuck, I'm looking and she's saying, what is she going to say next? Chuck, 174 days till New Year's Eve. It's going to be a major celebration. You're going to want to have something special to drink. I don't care if it's alcoholic, non-alcoholic, if it's sweet, if it's bitter, if it's sour, savory, I don't care. But whatever it is, uh, Chuck, you look like the kind of guy who might have relatives who 
had a whiskey still in the backyard in the back of the barn and they were making bootleg whiskey. So I want you to make sure you get that still in good shape so you can make it. You know, you got less than six months. You, you got to get going with this. Yasmin, you look like the kind of guy who probably would like a good liqueur, I'm guessing. Something with little herb spices in it, maybe a Kahlua, maybe a Tia Maria, maybe a something, Grand Marnier. And I think you're going to make it on your own. And I think you have an extra sink in, in your second kitchen or in your garage, a, a really clean sink, a sterile one. And you're going to make, so you got to start because those flavors need to really blend and melt. You know what I'm talking about. Pam... Well, with all your nursing skills, people haven't even met you yet, but I'm just giving us away. Pam, I'm guessing you're going to want something very high-end and bubbly, okay? And I'm warning you now that the shelves on the physical storefront, brick and mortar, we used to call them, liquor stores, alcohol stores, any kind of a beverage store, they're going to be cleaned out way before New Year's Eve. As far as online, seriously, the shelves are going to be empty way before December. So I think you better get a head start ordering whatever you're serving to your 100 guests on New Year's Eve, Pam. That's all I have to say about that. This, <laughs> I have to tell you all, this is the sign in the zodiac of cancer. And because of its relationship to something we don't want to talk about, the sign has been called, people under that sign have been called moon children. I like that a lot. So I want to know any of the three of you born under this sign and the date would be between june 21st and july 22nd yasmin chuck pam anybody no birthdays nope. well i'm going to give you a couple of hints as to what these people are all about their personalities and anytime you hear a trait that describes you i want you to just wiggle your hand just wave your hand okay just or you can keep count on your fingers of how many so uh people under this sign are sentimental okay you can admit to that or not emotional yasmin's keeping count tender, oh, nostalgic, boo-hoo, protective of their heart and their loved ones, creative. Well, you're all here because you're creative. Moody, you don't have to admit to that. Artistic, I think so, maybe. What do you think? Chuck, you've been very artistic in your life. They're ruled by their intuition and gut feelings. I think that's part of creativity. Take pride in their work and they're very dignified. Are you dignified, Pam? I think you have to be at times, yes. They work hard when treated well, but they argue if you don't show them respect. Ooh, yeah. I think, I, yeah, we all got to stand up for ourselves. They're liable to be swept away in romance, fall fast in love, but it's fleeting and it doesn't last. Oh, 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 we got some admissions there. Well, you're in good company because people in the sign include Kevin Bacon, Tom Cruise, Vin Diesel, Harrison Ford, ooh, Selena Gomez, Tom Hanks. He had a birthday yesterday. He's been advertising it all over the radio for a week. Mindy Kaling, Cindy Lauper, girls just want to have. Priyanka Chopra Jonas, who is in a wonderful thriller series called Citadel, if you haven't seen it yet. Princess Di, Left Us Too Soon, Meryl Streep, and the beautiful Sophia Vergara. They are all under that sign. So now it's time for me to tell my audience who my three special guests are. So we have Pamela Jane Nye, NYE, and she said I could call her Pam. She's the owner and CEO of the nonprofit, listen to this everybody, Neuroscience Nursing. That sounds very, very, very smart, Pam, and you're going to have to tell us what that means, limited. And she's the owner and founder of Operation Scrubs, Inc., nothing to do with the TV show Scrubs. She collaborates with the American Nurses Association Enterprise Innovation Program. you got to put that in your bio when you explain who you are, Pam. That's fascinating. And she created something called the Nurses Wall, honoring the world's 20 million-plus unsung hero nurses. 
Pam, wonderful to have you here. So glad I met you at the summit. Can't wait to hear more about you in just a minute. And then we have Chuck Foster. Hi, Chuck. Wave hello. There he is looking very distinguished and very moonchild. He's a former LA cop. He's a TV and radio broadcaster after my own heart. And he is the founder of TFP Entertainment. He only has three plus decades of talent representation and unique special event marketing. And he's going to tell you some of the details. Fascinating the list of your credits, Chuck. His post-retirement project is promoting Pam Nye's The Nurse's Wall. So thank you for being here, Chuck. I met both of you at the summit, and then we have Yasmin Wynn. And I had a lesson in spelling and linguistics before the show. Yasmin spells his name. Everybody listen up, because you might think it's what I thought it was, and it's not N-G-U-Y-E-N. It's Wynn. So it's W-I-N phonetically. He's the author of The Game of Joy. Those of you watching, those of you watching us on, on uh, the internet can see The Game of Joy in the background. The Secret to creating your own happiness, even when life is stressful. Very interesting. Yasmin had an idea that he wanted to spread joy, and he calls himself a joy ambassador. What did he do? He drove across the United States for 18 months and covered 21,000 miles on a road trip, and he created the Joyful Living Project. Yasmin, that's wonderful. And I have to tell all of you, I always look for a title for the show each week. I do about 50 live shows on this series a year. And Chuck, I wasn't sure whether to call it the entertainment of creativity. And Pam, I could have called it the health of creativity. But I looked at Yasmin's book and I said, this title will cover the whole, all of you, the joys of creativity. So I named it a little bit after the Joy Ambassador. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Bonnie D, a.k.a. Radio Red. Just call me Red. Let's go around the table. Pam, I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. I know you can't wait for this moment in time. Everybody's going to see you. And we want to know, can you please fill in the blanks, the dashes between the little teeny bio that I gave just a moment ago? Pam, welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, it's it's uh, such a pleasure to be here with all of you. Um, you know, when people ask me about myself, um, the thing that I usually tell people is uh, I'm probably the nicest nerd you'll ever meet. <laughs> um, yes, I studied neuroscience. Yes, it was one of the most difficult subjects to study. And there were three of us in my graduate class where there were hundreds that were studying the heart. But I really was taken with the brain. And I think um, the time that it caught that I knew where I would I needed to be in life happened when I was a very young nurse. And I don't want to go into a long story about it, but I was a year out of school, and my patient that particular morning was a 26-year-old motorcycle accident victim. And the night nurse told me, you know, there's very not very much we can do for this young man. Keep him comfortable and dry. Make sure you support his family. And the likelihood is he's going to die. And I thought, my God, 26 years old, that can't be. And so I sat down on the edge of his bed and I wrapped my blood pressure cuff around his arm. And I sort of absent-mindedly said, good morning. And with his eyes closed, he said, good morning. This man was in a coma, and I thought I had awakened the dead. I couldn't believe my eyes, and it was an aha moment for me. It changed me. It changed me at the basis, the root of who I am, 
And I knew that going forward, this nurse needed to understand the brain better. And so I went to graduate school where I studied neuroscience. Pam, tell me about Operation Scrubs. Tell me about the other things you've founded. I got chills. I Chuck has probably heard the story a lot. Yasmin, I think you did too. I, I, I just froze. I, I got chills up and down my spine, my spine when you were telling that. Pam, give us a little more about some of the organizations you founded, please, just briefly. Sure. Um, Operation Scrubs is uh, my nonprofit group, and it is uh, my, my nonprofit company, I should say. And it's devoted to saying thank you to the world's nurses. There are 22 million of them that in the last two or three years went to work and 2,500 of us died as a result. I know the whole world wants to say thank you. So we created a way to do this virtually by creating something called the nurse's wall. The nurse's wall is a place everyone can go and say thank you. Maybe you've been in the hospital. Maybe your daughter is a nurse. Maybe your son is a nurse. And you'd like to acknowledge the work that they've done. You can do it by going on to www.thenurseswall.com. And you can leave a very brief uh, message that says thank you to the world's nurses. Costs you nothing but time. couple minutes. Brilliant idea. Free, virtual, accessible positive. I like it. See, joys of creativity. See, Yasmin, she's right there along with you. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Pam. We're going to be hearing a lot more from you. Chuck Foster, you're up next. Let's hear your story. Talk to me. For me, joy was really something I didn't realize uh, as a kid. My parents, wealthy. They spent most of their time making a lot of money. I was in boarding school from the time I was 18 months old. Um, graduated from high school, went right into the military, out of military into law enforcement. Not a whole lot of time for joy. And the way I was raised, not a, really a way to understand it. I was very methodical at that time. Then I ran into a, an insane person named Larry Hovis from Liars Club was on Hogan's Heroes, Carter, the guy that used to blow stuff up. And I got to know Larry and he says, you need to loosen up. You need, you, you've got some creativity into you, but you don't want to show it. I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, he introduced me to someone named Mike Vance and there was another guy named Walt Disney. And I would learn that creativity was doing new things in an old way or a new way. I'd say, I could do that. And from there, I would just somehow let myself go. And my brain took me places I never thought possible. It allowed me to rethink what could be, not what was. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, that gets you into trouble a little bit, because when you get creative and innovative, new, you vent the new mousetrap. The people that made the old mousetrap don't like you. And that was difficult to deal with. But... That's how I got started in, in the things that I did. And then pretty soon, I became the go-to guy for doing the impossible because clients would come to me after a success and they would say, people keep telling me, I can't do that. You do things that shouldn't be done. Can you help me? And after becoming that go-to guy, that really, that negative 
perceived by many was what allowed me to enjoy a wonderful three-decade career by coming up with stuff that nobody thought was possible. It was exciting. It was entertaining. And then I added to that component the things that I created. I want to make a difference. And that's when it really started to be fun. And most of the things that I did as an adult were charity-related. And the proceeds were always to benefit nonprofits. And I would go to bed at night and say, this was really tough, but it was well worth it. Wow. Chuck, I want you to give us a couple of examples I I read in your bio of some of the events you created. Can you just give us a a synopsis or a little list so people will understand more? Um, The most successful drink in the history of alcohol, Harvey Wallbanger. Um, The U.S. Tubing Olympics, an inner tube race that I thought wouldn't may may not work. 10,000 people showed up and each of them gave me a $10 bill. I had the idea of a, a super run, a, a race that for amateurs only, that really never get recognized, although they make up most of the running events in terms of population. My client at the time was Bacardi. And he said, Cunha, it will never work. I said, would you please release me at least from my contract that I could do that independently? And the, the president of Charty says, very much so. I, I will laugh when you fall on your that part. It was unique. I did a 10K race in all 50 states on the same day at the same time. Wow. You had to be an amateur, which was self-policed, we would come find out. Mm-hmm. The winners, a man and woman from each state, all expenses paid were brought to Las Vegas for a super run finale, winner take all, $1 million. It was the first million dollar prize in running history. And it worked so well. The first year we did it with ESPN, the second year, Ruin Arledge, then president of ABC Sports and News, came to me and said, this is going to be our 25th anniversary. We'd like you to do that race again. I said, I really don't want to. He says, you kind of have to. And we did it the second year live worldwide on ABC Wide World of Sports. Wow. 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 One more quickly. The, pig the nurse's bowl. wall. I want to know about the pig ball, pig ball first. The pig ball. As a cop at the time. And we were constantly fighting with the predominantly Hispanic and black people. And, and I kind of interjected myself and I said, well, we need to wait to communicate with these people. And the chief or the sheriff at that time says, well, how, how do you do that? He says, I says, how about a flag football game? He says, that ain't going to work. It's going to be a bloodbath. Well, we went down into the black and the Hispanic community one-on-one, met the shot callers, the gang leaders and said, Want to play football? <laughs> Big smile on your face against the pigs? Of course. So we used the name Pig Bull. We brought in real referees. We made it very professional looking. And it was a war on the football field, but it was a clean war. No cheap shots, no arguing, good, solid football. And afterwards, hugs. And it worked so well, we did it twice both as fundraisers, and that was just another step towards my career, I suppose. Thank you very much. We'll talk about the wall a little more when we get into your creativity statements. I don't want to cut you off, but I want to get to Yasmin. Chuck, all I can say is wow. Wow, (laughs) wow, wow. For a guy who was in boarding school from the age of 18 months, who was a cop, and you ended up creating 
and joyfully and contributing and promoting and giving. Stellar, Mr. Foster, stellar. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I, I still can't believe the pig bowl story. Forget about everything else. Yasmin Wynn, let's hear from you, our joy ambassador. We've got so much joy on the show already. I'm just so glad you're here to make it official. I'm putting you on speaker view. Talk to us. Who are oh. you really? Go ahead. Thank you so much, Red. I, I'm still in wow. Between Chuck and Pam, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for me, I thought joy is something I'm really passionate about, but it, I wasn't always joyful. I mean, growing up, my family and I, we immigrated from Vietnam. We were one of the boat people and uh, we were rescue in the middle of the ocean as our boat started sinking. And growing up in America, uh, you know, my first journey was really trying to fit in. And most of my joy growing up was around just doing the things that I thought I was supposed to do. I achieved and I was really good at it, but I really wasn't happy. And I remember finally leaving the corporate world one day and becoming an entrepreneur. And I thought, finally, I'm free. I get to create, I get to do all these things that I've always wanted to do. And I realized five years later, I was just so burnt out from juggling so many things and chasing these opportunities that I almost gave everything up. And that was when I, you know, that was kind of my, my light, my moment that I said, Hey, I need to take some time for myself. And that's when I set up on this journey to learn about joy. And that set me on this trip around the most incredible trip around the country to learn about joy. And uh, it was the, it was the foundation for the book that I share because uh, now seeing with everything that's happening in the world, it's, you know, we need more joy and we uh, need more joy. Yasmin, 21,000 miles. Uh, how did you plan the journey? Was it going to the farthest? I just want to know how you, you route your route, if you will. How did you do that? It's a, it's a huge undertaking, a huge trip. What was the organization of where you went first? And was there any burnout along the way? That's a long trip. Go ahead. Uh, great question, Red. Yeah, the, the initial routing for it was based on weather. So I started in Portland, Oregon, and I knew I wanted to be south during the winter and then north during the summer. And so I planned this big loop. But as it turned out, I kind of went there, took a couple international detours as well, and zigzagged back and forth just following the joy. Because as much as I wanted to stick with the plan, uh, there were moments when I had to be creative and I had to say, hey, I got to follow the joy. And so it led me all over the place. And what did you say to people? Hi, my name is Yasmin Wynn and I'm a joy ambassador. What did they say? Oh, come on. What did you, did you have one of Chuck's Bacardi's? What, what, what did you, what were you drinking? What were you, Harvey Wallman? What, what was, I, I'm not making fun, but I'm trying to understand what were people saying to you? What was your request or your introduction that got people to speak to you? What was your goal? Were you interviewing them? Were you recording them? What were you doing? Yeah, I, Fortunately, I knew a few people here and there, and it was through personal introductions. So I basically followed the breadcrumbs of connections then. And so it wasn't these, all of a sudden I walk out in the street and say, hey, I'm husband. Uh, let's talk about joy. But I, there were a lot of warm leads and I got a chance to really meet people. And one of the things that I did along the way was instead of couch surfing, I did this thing called kitchen surfing. And the idea behind that was 
I would stay with some friends and then I would cook for them this nice five, six course dinner. And then we would invite people over and we would sit down together and have conversations and share food. And, and that part of the creative process and, and connecting with people really got, gave me a chance to really go deeper with people. That is a lovely thought. And what kind, what kind of a cook are you? Were these, you're from your native Vietnam or were these uh, uh, the great American cookbook? What, what kind of <laughs> meals did you cook? I, we all want to know. Come on. What were you cooking? Well, my, oh, so it was, it was definitely a creative process because a lot of times it was checking their fridge to see what they had. I had a few ingredients, a few like spices here and there. And, you know, if there was a Trader Joe's, I would go and, and grab a few essential things. But a lot of times it was whatever that was available. But my go-tos were uh, this uh, Asian lettuce wrap, a pineapple fried rice. It's more oh. Asian influenced. And then um, uh, this uh, Vietnamese sweet and hot sour soup. And then we also had, um, uh, was it some, and I threw some Italian, some bruschetta and a few other things whenever it was available, but it was a fun process. You just gave me an idea. My son just gave me a rice cooker uh, in, in, sitting next to my air fryer and my, my toaster on my corner of my kitchen counter. And I like to cook the rice and I they have a little basket on top. I don't know if anybody else, Chuck or Pam, do you have a, a rice cooker or Yasmin? They're, they're not expensive. And it basically steams the rice and it gives you a little plastic cup and it says measure. I'm using uh, Mahatma, that's the brand, long grain white rice or basmati. And now I have a mixture of uh, the royal rice blend, one of those with... Uh, quinoa and brown rice and white rice. I'm going to try that next. You put the rice in, it tells you how much water to add by how this little measuring cup, and then it has a little basket with little holes in it. And you put your fresh vegetables. I put fresh green beans, just layer them into the basket, close the lid, push the power, push white rice. That's the main setting. And when it's done, it beeps and the beans are perfectly steamed and the rice is ready to go. And sometimes I take the rice, I put it in with a little bit of oil in a pan right away, and I, I crack an egg into it, and I make fry, my version of fried rice, put a little bit of soy sauce or something. But Yasmin, <clears throat> I think I have a can of pineapples in the cabinet. Yeah. I think I'm going to try. I never thought of pineapple. I have company coming this week. We're going to try pineapple fried rice. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. The three of you are unbelievable. I, I, You know what? I never do this. Do me a favor. Would you just applaud yourselves, not each other, just applaud yourselves for creativity and bringing joy. This is important. This is good stuff. So now is the part of the show where I've asked each of you to please send me a quote from a fictional character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric. And I have to tell you, on my business radio show, which I do on Wednesdays, I ask the same thing of my guests. And I ask for movie quotes as part of my, my monologue introduction. And uh, I use ChatGPT, full disclosure, the LLM large language model AI chatbot. <laughs> and it's gotten confused recently. And it, Chuck, it has made up quotes from movies. And it said, well, you'd like these quotes because they're on your topic, which is usually something to do with artificial intelligence. So I said, I said, I can't find that quote from that character when I research, you know, do the back research to check it. And it said, oh, I thought you wanted fictional quotes from fictional characters. And it made up quotes <laughs> based on my topic. So I said, no, I I want a real quote from a real fictional character in a real movie. Yeah, we got that straightened out. So Pam has sent a quote from the character is Ray Kinsella. 
played by Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams, 1989 American sports fantasy drama film. And I know, Pam, how cool it is when they mix the genres. Used to be it was a drama or it was a comedy or it was a romance. Now it's a sports fantasy drama film. I'm surprised they didn't say with a couple of funny or charming or romantic moments in it. That would have been better. Written and directed by Phil Alden Robinson based on Canadian novelist W.P. Kinsella's 1982 novel, Shoeless Joe. And that's a character in it. Ray Kinsella lives with his wife and daughter on a corn farm, and he didn't have a good relationship with his late father, who was a devoted baseball fan, and he thinks he hears a voice of Shoeless Joe Jackson, who died in 1951, which is interesting. The film had three nominations for Oscars, Best Picture, Best Score, Best Adapted Screenplay, and in 2017, it was selected for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. It's official. So here is the line, very interesting. I can't wait to hear what you do with this one, Pam, related to your creativity. If you build it, he will come. Pam, go ahead. Exactly. And we believed, um, and I still believe, that if you are welcoming, if you bring something to the table, that people will come, people will be attracted. And that movie, uh, Field of Dreams, was actually filmed in Iowa. And that's that's my hometown. You know, um, I'm from Iowa, and there are cornfields everywhere. And we believe, I think, I think I can take the words right out of Chuck's mouth as well. We both believe that if you do something that is interesting and appealing, that they will come. And we believe that um, with the nurse's wall, and uh, I think you'll probably be getting into that more, a little more with Chuck, that people will want to honor nurses. They'll want to say thank you. The last three years, I think everyone on the planet understands what nurses have done and what we continue to do. I was one of the vaccinating nurses when we didn't, we weren't even sure how this terrible virus was spread. I went back, you know, I had uh, taken my retirement from UCLA and they called a lot of us back yeah. to give vaccinations to the public. And we're, we live here in Los Angeles where there are 4 million people that needed vaccinations. So we needed to open our doors and welcome as many people in. And I believe that when you welcome people in, they will come. And that's, you know, that's sort of how I live my life. Thank you. It reminds me of how I created this show, talking to creatives from all walks of life. And I just decided to do a show about creativity. And here you are. They will come, right? You build it, they will come. It applies to anything that has, I think, a generous spirit or a great curiosity. It's people don't know what they're looking for or let's watch or fail. Let's go watch that. Anyway, thank you very much, Pam. Very, very interesting. Chuck Foster, time for your quote. Another real classic here, Master Yoda, voiced and puppeteered. I love when I put in the word puppeteered. It's got P-U-P-P-E-T-E-E-R-E-D. It's got one, two, three. Four E's and three P's and a couple of other consonants thrown in there. Uh, and and it always comes up as a spell check that it's not the right spelling, but that's what Wikipedia says by Frank Oz. He's avi- advising Luke Skywalker, played by Mark Hamill. Of course, this is Star Wars Episode V. That's five in Roman numeral, The Empire Strikes Back. 1980 sequel to the original 1977 Star Wars, which was an American epic space opera film and a multimedia franchise. Uh, Luke has given up before he began 
by doubting his own abilities. Ooh, Chuck, and not entrusting himself into the force and the guidance of his master. And of course, Star Wars created by George Lucas. There we go. I'm going to just read the quote. And I have a couple words I added when I watched the movie clip, Chuck. So please forgive me for this. No, try not. Here's the quote. Do or do not. There is no try. Chuck, talk to me. How does this apply to your creativity? Go ahead. Oh boy, that's a lesson I learned. It's a lesson that I teach. It's a lesson I mentor. People say, I try, I try. Stop. People fail because they try. Red, I'd like you to try and touch your microphone right now. See, what did you do? I touched my microphone. What did I ask you to do? Try to touch my microphone. Uh Aha. Now, this time, don't touch it. I want you to try and touch it. (laughs) (laughs) You're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Mindset. If you believe, you can do. So that's kind of how that got started. And that has been my mindset. I think going back to the early 70s, every event that I've created or every assignment I've taken, every client that I had, my mindset and their mindset became, we are not going to try. Failure is not an option. And of course, when you're in the military and you're in combat, that's definitely (laughs) the motto. Chuck, you used an interesting word just now. You said that was my mindset. That was my client's mindset. You didn't say it was our motto or our mantra. You said mindset. That's a different way of framing it, isn't it, Yasmin and Pam? Our mindset was there is no try. Not my motto is do or do not. There is no try. Well, that's great. Hang it up on a wall and put balloons around it. That's great. Our mindset This is how we were setting our minds to operate, to work, to go forward. There is no try. I tell that to people once in a while. I'll try to be there. I say, either you're coming or you're not. You know, (laughs) I'll try to make the cake. Are you making the cake or not? Let's not make this complicated, right? There is no try. Either think about it, you're going to do it or you're not. You want to do it or you don't. There is no try. That's probably one of the more brilliant lines. I, I sometimes get uh, get the statistics on where these lines are in the world's most famous. The American Film Institute, AFI, has a list of the most famous movie quotes. And one that's fairly high up, I think in the top 100, is you're going to need a bigger boat. And that was from Jaws. <laughs> Jaws. I don't know if you know where that came from, but that was an ad lib that the crew on the movie had because the people who were the directors and the what just called the producers and the directors didn't spend a lot of money on the support boat and sometimes the waves came over it and sometimes they didn't have enough food in the craft whatever it was and people started saying you're going to need a bigger boat you're going to and it got to be a joke so one day Roy Scheider slips it into a line when they're filming the movie says you're going to need a bigger boat and then he does it again you're going to need a bigger boat well when it came to the final editing in the cutting room the female I don't remember her name it might have been Ellen somebody she decided I like that. I'm not cutting it out of the movie, even though it wasn't in the script. She leaves it in and becomes something like the 114th greatest movie line in all of American history. Anyway, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. So I think I have a feeling that do or do not, there is no try. Probably comes up even higher than that one, Chuck. I have to look that up. Not right now, but I will. I love these things. Thank you very much. And Yasmin Wynn, you picked another. Wow, the three of you picked real classics for quotes. Very interesting. Uh, This one is from Horace Gump, played by Tom Hanks. 
1994 American comedy drama directed by Robert Zemeckis, written by Eric Roth, based on Winston Groom's 1986 novel. Tom Hanks and his birthday was yesterday, July 9th, because he announced it all over CNN radio. I'm on this podcast and now you got to come and celebrate. We got gift for five days. He's been announcing his birthday. I, I've never heard anybody do it that way. Uh, Robin Wright, Gary Sinise, Mike, my Lecty Williamson and Sally Field, who was his mother. And the famous line, <clears throat> excuse me, is and they said most of the lines that came out of her mouth in the movie showed her unconditional love for her son and it sounds like slogans and that's really what this is so here we go my mama always said laugh was like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get that's the most horrible tom hanks forrest gump impersonation i've ever done i apologize yasmin if you want to try and do it better if you want to do it better don't try chuck i got myself i caught myself on that yasmin how did you pick this and what does this have to do with your creativity go ahead well, Red, it just really exemplifies that when we show up in life, there's there's a lot of things that we don't expect. You know, that box of chocolate could be dark chocolate, milk chocolate with nuts, with liqueur. It could be a number of different things. And it's not not about what we get, but it's what about what we do with what we get. So let's say you have your chocolate. You can share it. You can create joy by sharing it. You can cook with it. You can eat it. You can sell it. And so it the the it's what you get, what you do with what you get, that you have that opportunity to really create joy. And the creation process gives you so many possibilities. And, you know, I think about all the, the, um, the things, the experiences I've had throughout my life, good and not so great, but the times when I've been able to be creative, for example, when I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, I was supposed to go to DC and everything fell through. I followed the joy. And instead of sticking to the plan, I listened to my friend and took a detour 14 hours down to Miami to unexpectedly go to Cuba. And it was just, you know, being creative with what we got, you know, the, the box came with some bitter chocolate and I went, you know, let's, let's do something else. So that's what it's really about for me. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Surprise twists and turns, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like to say to people, I don't know about you, but I didn't pop out of my mom with a manual and a handbook at five, you're going to do this at seven, you're going to do this at 19, you're going to do this at 25. It's like we've all been creating and I meet a lot of people here in, in my community. And I say, you want to come on, I'm doing a local video version of this, not not radio. And they say, Oh, I'm not creative. I said, really, what do you do? Well, I've started three clubs in the community. And I'm, I'm in the this group, and I'm in that group. And I started this and I gather people around, they come to my house, and we go on camping trips and we started a sports team and all that. I said, you're not creative. No, I'm not creative. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. They, it somehow it, it, I think there's a shyness to some people. And I say, but I go to the publicity summit and I meet a hundred people here who want to talk about their creativity. It's a different mindset, Chuck. It's a different mindset. It's a different, we'll just leave it at that. Let's go to the creativity statements. I'm going to pick one from each of you and ask you to unpack it. We've got about ooh, 16 minutes left, plenty of time here. And then I have a couple of celebrity birthdays and some music history events. I think you'll enjoy. So Pam, I'm reading your first one because this intrigues me and I asked you to define it after you sent it to me. You say, Pam, this is Pam Nye speaking. She says, I am a creative because I'm the nurse's Sherpa in the world of business, which is often unfamiliar and somewhat daunting to nurses. Pam, I'm going to stop there and let you explain that. Go ahead. Three minutes. Talk, please. I'm a nurse entrepreneur and uh, they're rare as hound's teeth. If you um, 
go to the literature, uh, there's something like one to 1.5% of nurses who identify themselves as entrepreneurial. So I teach nurses how to start their own businesses, and this is completely foreign territory. There are so many nurses that say to me, I want to be you, I want to be like you, but they don't know how to take the first step. So when I have a hand that's reaching up to me for help, I make sure that I reach down and I pull that hand up and pull them along with me. And every time I start my, um, I do a lot of teaching, I usually start out by saying, I am your Sherpa. I will show you the way. I will show you the way and I will clear the way for you so that you don't have to step and fall over every stone in the road like I did. I am going to show you the way. And that's what I mean by I am the nurse's Sherpa. And that's something that I've been using when I do my teaching with um, at UCLA. I teach in the School of Nursing and I teach uh, entrepreneurial nursing to a group of clinical nurse specialists who their master's prepared. These are graduate students who sit there with their mouths hanging open down to their knees because they have never, ever been told, you can do this. This is not outside your skill set. Wow. The show is just full of wows. I just keep stopping in my job. Wow. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Giving them the courage to not try, but to do. Chuck, I keep going back to that one. Very, very interesting. Chuck, I'm going to combine two of your creativity statements. I think in my mind, my mindset, Chuck, is that they go together. So just bear with me here for a second. I'm just going to read what you originally sent me. Statement number two, you say creativity comes with risks and rewards. Expect creative ideas to be problematic because it can challenge the status quo. That's two. Statement four, you say creativity allows you to climb to whatever height you're willing to fall, noting risk is always almost com almost always commensurate with gain. So we have risk and reward and problems and challenges and falling and gains. I'm seeing a pattern here, Chuck Foster. Why don't you help me out? What does this mean toward to your creativity? Go ahead. It's probably one of the most important things that I pass on and instill in people that I, I mentor they have vision. I tell them, be creative. And so many people say, okay, okay, okay. And they, I can do this. And I said, that's wonderful. Let's look at what you're attempting to do as a ladder. And however high you place this accomplishment on the ladder is what we're going to talk about. Remember, all really good hard stuff, that's at the top of the ladder. It's like the ring Gold ring and the merry-go-round, it's hard to get. Easy stuff, it's on the bottom. If you put it in the middle, okay, that's kind of status quo. You can step on that 100-foot ladder, and that's maybe really not too high. But ladder rung one and two is like 20 feet or 10 feet. But if you want to go after the big stuff, I guess it's just life built into how things are. The really good, the hard stuff, the most rewarding stuff seems to be at the top. Are you really prepared to climb that ladder and recognize the risk? Now, the risk can be emotional if you fail. It can be financial. 
It can be physically painful. Yep. But it's something that if you don't do that exercise, if you're going to play creativity, remember, you're going to be alienating people on, in this, on top of everything else. That's just a great way to help survive. But then all that said, all those devices, Foster's Law, one, one, bleep, happens. <laughs> Thank you, Foster's Law. I appreciate that. Very, very interesting. I want to read one, maybe two from Yasmin. Uh, Yasmin, I'm going to read statement number two, and I might throw in three separately, and I think you'll all understand why. Yasmin says, creativity is surrendering attachment to a specific outcome and allowing imagined possibilities to emerge. And you've already told us once your travel plans fall through, you you went in and pivoted and went somewhere else. So surrendering attachment to a specified and maybe expected outcome. Just briefly, Yasmin, what does this mean to you? You know, Red, for me, creativity, sometimes we get so excited about what we're 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 imagining what we're doing. We're set on, it has to be this way. It has to, uh, the process of creating, it needs to be this way. But sometimes again, we get different boxes of chocolate. And, and if we stick to it, sometimes we get to a point where it starts frustrating us. It starts limiting the possibilities of what it could be. And, and when we are clear about our intentions, like we're clear about what the outcome you know could be and why we're doing it, then we can open up the doors for creativity to flow and allow all the different ways in which you actually get there. And sometimes it's the other paths of getting there that is actually magical. That's that's the special stuff that we couldn't have imagined. That's the special spice that you found at, at Trader Joe's when you were mm -hmm. creating your pineapple. Yes, I want that exactly. pineapple fried rice. That's what I'm going to have after the show. Yasmin, I'm going to sneak in number three here. I think Chuck and Pam will appreciate this also. You say creativity is noticing the beauty around us, capturing that moment and selectively enhancing its features. Interesting. As a photographer, you say using tools like Instagram empowers you, Yasmin, with hours of creative expression while you travel and explore breathtaking landscapes. Interesting, interesting. So what about this? Do you ever limit yourself with the number of photographs you can take or or you say, oh, this is an Instagram moment or just briefly fill us in. We haven't talked about that type of thing on the show yet. So go ahead, Yasmin. Yeah, you know, we're so fortunate these days that we can take as many photos and not be limited on the cost of film and development and all that. And I think that, you know, for each of us, we see beauty in a different way. And when we're out there, taking a moment to really be present and to notice what's available. It's like going into your kitchen and saying, look, there's this ingredient, that ingredient. We get a chance to start to put those together. And the act of joy comes from the act of noticing. And when we can be present and, and notice what's special about this, maybe it's a certain light. Maybe it's the way that the water is coming. Maybe it's a certain person that's in our view. Maybe it's a moment capturing those precious moments is is an opportunity to not only create but also experience joy and then when we share it we amplify and really take that even to the next level thank you very very interesting i will tell you all that when i moved here i told you before the show i moved accidentally to loudon tennessee and i bought a bigger house and much more property than i thought because i bought it on zoom and the pictures didn't do justice and it's fine it's good but i discovered that i am in I'll just say an informal nature preserve here. 
and birds come and visit. I have some bird feeders outside. I took the front guest bedroom because I don't need a guest bedroom. I got another one as my office. And I've got a huge window that looks out on the front and a curved window at the top. I, I don't know what you how you would describe it. And I have several bird feeders out here. And cardinals, brilliant orange cardinals, come and sit on the windowsill. Chuck, the ledge outside my window here. I'm sitting at my desk working, not on a radio show, and I will snap a picture of it. Or they'll fight at the bird bath for the bird feeder. There's suet with seed in it. And the, the two or three of them will vie for the for the suet in the little cage. And then I discovered that the male cardinal is the bright one, the female, which is a little bit of gray with some orange will come after. And somebody told me when cardinals are nearby, it's the angels of people we lost. So I have to believe it's my mother and father visiting me. But the funny thing is on Mother's Day weekend, my son who's very busy executive and travels around the world came to visit me for the weekend, which was just a delight. As he was leaving Sunday morning, I looked at the bird bath out front. I have several of them. And a pair of yellow finches, golden yellow finches, were taking a little bath in the bird bath. I had been here eight months. I had never seen a, a yellow finch. On Father's Day, my daughter and her husband and their my grandpuppies were here, and I looked outside, and one of the yellow finches had returned to the same birdbath. I have never seen them before or after. So, Yasmin, I'm constantly taking pictures of, I get bluebirds, I get some crows, I get sparrows, I get colorful birds, I have no idea what they are, and I have a whole collection of pictures just sitting here in my house photographing. And the trees, the hibiscus and the, the maple and the everything, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. I don't have to go anywhere to see beautiful nature photography. So I was very, very intrigued with what you wrote there. Thank you very much. Thank you all for, for taking the time to make your creativity statement so interesting. I appreciate it. We have just five minutes left. I'm going to see if I can cram in some famous birthdays here and make you laugh. And by the way, don't go away because we're going to take pictures afterwards. I didn't do that before. So today, July 10th. Mavis Staples is 84 years old, American rhythm and blues and gospel singer, civil rights activist, member of the family band. Everybody remember the Staples singers? Mavis is the last one left. And remember, I'll Take You There was one of their fa- her famous hit singles. Sophia Vergara, who plays Gloria in Modern Family, love her acting and a model. She does some coffee ads too. 51, happy birthday, Sophia. She was a model before she was a, an award-winning actress. Jessica Simpson, you've all heard of Jessica Simpson, pop singer. She has top five Billboard Hot 100 hits, I Want to Love You Forever, and a two-time platinum certified album, Sweet Kisses. We're just going to leave it there. She's ranked on every possible ranking and she was signed to Columbia Records at the age of 16 and she auditioned for the Mickey Mouse Club when she was 12. There you go. That's a real American hero. Uh, Singer Arlo Guthrie is 75 today. He performed at Woodstock in 1969. Anybody heard of banjo player Bella Fleck? Anybody? Bella Fleck is 64 today. Sorry about that. Uh, Let's see who else you might know. Um, I'm a drummer, so I always put drummer's birthday. Drummer Shaw Wilson of the band BR549 is 62. And one of the singers in Rascal Flats, country singer Gary Laveau, L-E-V-O-X, is 52. Now, I want you to, are you all sitting down, Chuck? Pam? Sitting down. Yes, you, sit, I, you, you promise? I, I might even ask you to mm. put on a seatbelt here. We have a, a young man who's 22. I have both of them the same birthday, but different mothers and different families. Elijah Rivera. 
Um, he has on YouTube, you laugh, you lose dad jokes. He's been doing this since 2018. So that's been five years when he, since he was 17. He only has 2.5 million subscribers, views of his videos, just views, 2.5 million. Viral videos, contests, pranks. He engages with his fans. On Instagram, Yasmin, he only has 170,000 followers. I, I, I know, why even bother, right? And then I have another one on TikTok. We have a birthday celebrant. It's a young lady named Bad Bish Lily. Don't even ask one word. B-A-D-B-I-S-H-L-I-L-Y with a capital B-B-L. She's 22. She uh, posts ASMR. Does anybody remember what a- ASMR is? I'm about to tell you in a moment. She has 60 million likes and 3.1 million subscribers. Chuck, I like to tell people I think I'm in the wrong line of work. Seriously, if only, if only, right, Pam? ASMR is auto autonomous sensory meridian response. It's a tingling sensation in your scalp, down the back of your neck and your spine. And people get it from seeing these videos. There are 25 million of them on YouTube and there's a category of them on Twitch. And what they do, I believe is, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, somebody might crinkle bubble wrap on a microphone just crinkle or they'll take a feather and touch the microphone with it they just touch the feather and people listen to this and they just go into a zone there are 25 million of these videos so look them up if you're curious ASMR autonomous sensory meridian response and this young lady also does mukbang videos you know what that is Yasmin you know Yes, those are eating videos, and I watched one today. I almost threw up. These are audiovisual broadcasts. The host eats a large quantity of food, and they started in South Korea in the early 2010s. They're now a mobile, I'm sorry, the 2000s. They are now a, mo- a global phenomenon, and I watched one today. The young man was uh, cooking something with rice and then a hamburger. No words are said. You watch him open the package. You hear it. You hear the paper tearing. You hear the plastic coming off. You see him putting it in a bowl and hear the egg being cracked. And you hear the scrambling of the egg and the mixing. And then you watch it cooking. And then he has black gloves on and he picks up this very big sandwich and he chews it. And you watch him and you hear the noise of the food in his mouth and his swallowing. 19 and a half minutes. I didn't get through the whole thing. Chuck, I watched about three minutes. I almost threw up. And then I watched another 30 seconds and I said, okay, now I know what mukbang is. But anyway, that's a a genre. And apparently this young lady takes fan suggestions on what they want her to eat in the videos. I can't say any more about that. Today, let's get back on terra firma here. We've got one more minute. Uh, Today, 1964, the Beatles released A Hard Day's Night, their third studio album. The Rolling Stones scored their first U.S. number one single, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, 1965. And let's see if we, Bill Haley's birthday, uh, 1925 on July 6th. He was this chubby cowboy yodeler who had a song called Rock Around the Clock and nobody cared until it was part of the movie called Blackboard Jungle, released in 1955, and the song took a 
Chuck, it went up in the charts and made him a household name, Bill Haley and the Comets. There you go. That was because that song was included in the movie. Uh, Today is International Town Criers Day, National Caleb Day. You know anybody named Caleb? Wave to him. It's Stella Day, not a birthday, just it's Kitten Day, Pina Colada Day, Pizza Day in Brazil, Pick Blueberries Day, Teddy Bear Picnic Day, and Nude Recreation Week, and I'm not even going to talk about that. Quickly, let's get, we got 30 seconds. Everybody just look at the promo and you'll see where to go to find these nice people. Let's do the closing here. Everybody join me in this. Life is short. Break the rules. Don't we always, Chuck? Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. Only the best way. Love truly. Laugh laugh uncontrollably. Yasmin, Pam, Chuck, laugh with me. (laughs) Very good. And never regret anything that made you smile. Here we go. Work like you don't need the money. Dance like nobody's watching. When I used to dance, they watched. Sing like nobody's listening. Love like you've never been hurt. Get over it. Money talks, chocolate sings. Nah. And last but not least, I stole this line. Thank you for turning me on. Everybody wave goodbye. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.